All right, so what, what happened this past Sunday is I'm up there worshiping the Lord, and I hear this, uh, I hear this word, this phrase, R2 RNA, and I go over to Stephen because I don't know what to do with it. And then uh, me and Dr. Gus Vickery are talking, and uh, he has something to say about that. So first, let me give a disclaimer that when I heard Carol bring up R2 RNA, I know what RNA is, but I did not know about what R2 could mean. So I real quickly was curious and just kind of, you know, Googled it and started looking at information about what is this R2 RNA. And what I'm about to suggest is based on a very cursory reading over it and not like a deep dive, but so the general principles. So essentially it's a RNA process that exists in insects may exist in other, uh, you know, species or different, you know, kingdoms of life. But as far as I know right now, it's just an insects that allows a small portion of RNA to be substituted. It's essentially a splice code and it has, you know, several key enzymes accompanying it like reverse transcriptase and others that actually allow you to kind of cut and open up a segment of RNA and then splice in code, which would then change the actual overall code, not the overall code, but it would add a configuration or a variable into the code. And the RNA is, of course, transcribed from the DNA. So the DNA contains information, uh, the information for all the structures that support life. We it, uh, end up copying the DNA into what's called RNA, which exits the cell nucleus and then gets transcribed into amino acids, which become proteins or various sizes of what are called peptides, which are just different length chains of amino acids. And depending on the sequence of amino acids and the length of the chain, they fold in very specific configurations, have very specific forms of vibration and energy, and then that ends up creating a distinct uh, molecule that can perform a very distinct function. So essentially, in a general way, this specific function is to allow for splicing of the RNA so you can form new types of polypeptides with different configurations, which my best hypothesis about that is it allows for a lot of variability in expression, a lot of adaptability in expression, and that that's what's actually happening. So it allows the code after it's been copied to actually be changed, which would lead to some potential change in function. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, good. So one thing, just to say this, so you, because you use this word that it changes the expression? Yes. And because the DNA is, you said it's it's not changing the DNA yeah. code. No, so your DNA code is protected in the cell nucleus, right? Tucked into your chromosomes. Mm-hmm. And that's because the DNA, we don't want it to change, right? It's essentially changes in DNA or mutations. And mutations, most mutations never come to anything, but certain types of sequences of mutations lead to cancers and you know abnormal development, things of that sort. So you're protecting the DNA. So the sequence of events is that you... You take a portion of the DNA that needs to be expressed. It could be any particular protein that, um, you know, enzyme something. And you go to that portion of the DNA and there's a a signal that says we're going to unlock this through a process called acetylation. You open that up and unzip it. And then the RNA is coded off of that, right? So the DNA becomes RNA. The RNA exits the nucleus. And then the RNA is then coded into the sequence of amino acids that would correspond to the code that was on the DNA. Does the RNA ever 
make a, a change to the DNA? No. No, it's not allowed to. It's D- not allowed to. D- DNA is absolutely protected. What do you do if you have a mutated DNA? How would you deal with that? Well, so the DNA has a lot of repair mechanisms built into it, right? Because we're constantly replicating cells, and so we split apart, of course, the uh, chromosomes, right? And then we build a new chromosome, and we basically duplicate, right? So that's the whole process of meiosis and mitosis and all that that we studied. And so during those processes, you're going to get errors that occur because you're, you're, you're basically duplicating millions of bits of information and you're going to end up with process errors and things of that sort. And then there are factors that can enter a cell nucleus, right? You can have UV radiation, you can have different forms of reactive oxygen species, different types of toxicants Mm -hmm. that if they can get through into the nucleus can actually directly damage the DNA, which can cause mutations. But you also have a lot of pre-designed repair mechanisms to recognize this and fix it or, you know, make it, make it, set it up so it'll no longer express itself if it is a mutation, right? So there's a lot of protection. But if you get a mutation, Generally speaking, it is going to then, it's going to create a flaw in that piece of information. So, for instance, it's a specific protein that plays a specific role in the body, let's just say in the gut, in terms of, say, limiting something that's not supposed to come into your human system. And now that protein is malfolded, it doesn't work properly anymore. So it begins to create, you know, a type of expression that is not as conducive to health. Mm. Would, uh, you know, like C.S. Lewis, when we read that, well, I don't know if you read it, but how he talks about form and matter. Yeah. Do you think that DNA is like the form and RNA is like the matter? In a sense it is. DNA is the source code, like we talked about earlier, right? DNA contains all the information that makes us us, but as we also discussed, there's enormous portions of the DNA that we thought contained no information mm-hmm. that we're now beginning to understand might contain more information than the actual DNA we've decoded, right? You said that's not called uh, junk DNA, that's called what now? It was at one point called nonsense, but it's got a different word now, so I'd have to look it back oh. up to remember exactly what they're calling it. But the... But so the essentially that's the source code, and then the RNA is stripped off of that, but it's meant to be a one-to-one translation, right? It's, you're not supposed to, the RNA is not supposed to make any decisions. Hey, maybe this protein would work better if I did this, right? And, so, and start creating new, new changes. Hey, let's try this one instead. It's just supposed to do its job. Exactly duplicate this little section of DNA for this specific protein or enzyme, go out, and then be coded in to the sequence of amino acids that creates that. And, you know, as far as we know, that process just occurs in one-to-one exchanges. Maybe it looks unless errors occur. And, you know, the idea that you've got these little uh, R2 splice mechanisms that are going in and actually splicing into the RNA, um, different sequences, again, theoretically, from my perspective, what that's allowing for is this, you have this ability to kind of finesse the structures over time, right, as a form of adaptation. So the R2, let's say the R2... um splice happens in the RNA, is it going to backfeed into the DNA? No. The RNA did not go in and change the DNA. Can't change it. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the only way to change DNA is to mutate it now, or it has errors. So when God says, when he made man, and he says, it's good, he meant that DNA chain that he made, that double helix... Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a, obviously an assumption. Not an assumption. Right? It's, yeah. it's an assumption. But I mean, right? yeah, I mean, the, the source code is good. The source, the source code. code is good. Yeah, right? It's the expression, right? And of course, a lot of what people are experiencing is a reduced genetic expression 
And the reason is that with what we talked about earlier, this whole pursuit of comfort and convenience. So the, the genes that would express this internal navigational sense or the, vi- the sense of vibration, what that means about the earth or understanding the weather or how to thermoregulate ourselves uh, in cold environments and in hot environments, that gene expression is reduced if we're not being, if we're not exposing ourselves to those forms of stressors and challenges. And so we end up contracting down and we're actually genetically expressing a much lesser version of ourselves. Well, well I guess I'm a little confused because if DNA perfectly is, let's say the DNA non-mutated is mm-hmm. perfect and then it expresses an RNA code, how does the RNA code get shrink down or how is that possible if it expresses it exactly right if the original source code is right why does it break down with the rna yeah and so are you talking why about- does the expression change so if it expresses itself rightly so the it, it's there first and foremost there's one aspect of this it's called polymorphisms okay uh-huh. these are called snips specific nucleotide polymorphisms and this creates this variation you me and Kara and everybody else and so a given sequence for a particular protein could be GCTCAC right in one person and in the next person it's GACTAC right so there's just little substitutions that actually will change the structure of that protein a little bit because instead of this specific amino acid in this position, you have now this one. And some of those will lead to enhanced function of that protein and some will lead to reduced function of that protein. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gets into our unique individual systems Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, I might have very robust what are called phase two detoxification systems and yours may just be so-so, right? Mm -hmm. And then how I'm shaping my environment, how you're shaping your environment, it should, might have to be a little bit different. Same thing with how we approach nutrition, micronutrients, particular athletic uh, you know, mm-hmm. aptitudes and things like that. You may actually code for much more power than mm-hmm. me. And you'll always, if we go one-to-one training mm-hmm. both, and do equivalent training routines together and we're both seeking as much power as possible, you'll still always have more power than me. Mm-hmm. But I might have more endurance or mm-hmm. I might have, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, that, so that's one way in which we see this variation in expression is that our DNA sequences are not 100% identical. Mm-hmm. They are what we call specific nucleotide polymorphisms. And in my DNA consoles, that's exactly what we're looking at, how mm-hmm. those affect genetic expression across human systems. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, then you have the next level, and again, we're talking about non-mutated you know, mm-hmm. proper DNA, that the RNA is basically creating you know, a transcription of this protein or enzyme, and then it's getting duplicated into a protein. Now, you have potential if you have damages to DNA that you start creating bad code, right? So the trend, you know, the source code has been damaged, and now the actual code being stripped off of it is damaged. But at the same time, it's not just about one section of DNA. It's about how the totality of the DNA is being expressed or non-expressed over time. And depending on the inputs to the human system, all the different inputs, including our own thoughts and beliefs. I mean, our beliefs are changing our DNA as we speak. It's, so the DNA no, is... No, I'm sorry. Our belief is changing our expression of our DNA. I the RNA. Yeah. So it's actually changing how our genes express 
themselves. Our actual beliefs change it, and that's been proven, right? And so what happens is that one person is expressing this particular version of themselves based on all the various inputs of the system, and another person is expressing a very different version because the inputs are different. So different aspects of the source code are being activated and reproduced in different sequences. And so that creates a variation as well. And then you finally then get to the environment in which all these structures were released, right? So at the end of the day, these proteins and enzymes are released into the cell itself and the cell membrane back to the nucleus, but also into the bloodstream potentially to go out and serve functions. And if the environment of that human system is toxic, uh, you're chronically inflamed, engine, uh, meta metabolic systems are not working properly, like mm -hmm. most people have metabolic diseases, then it's not going to be able to function as well. Mm -hmm. Right, it began. So, as a protein is circulating in the blood, if you have a higher blood sugar than what is appropriate, you're beginning to damage that protein. You're changing its function. Mm -hmm. So, it's kind of layers deep in how we would see all this. But ultimately, the sequence from the DNA to the RNA to the protein or enzyme should be a one to one to one. But apparently, in insects, they have the ability to go, no, nope, I'm going to do this. So what would a splice be then into the RNA? Would it be like, like I did electrical circuits where you jump or wires. Is mm -hmm. that what a splice is? Yeah, is I mean, but, but it's, it's, it is a sequence of RNA. And so it's splicing in. From my rec and this is, I'm working off memory now, That's right? Fine. So my recollection was that it was a three, like, um, polypeptide um, splice, meaning three amino acids would be coded from that splice. So it was a sequence of RNA that was big enough to have a three amino acid sequence change. It put into that sequence of that RNA. So now you've put, you're taking whatever this code is and you've just changed the structure of the peptide or protein by inserting three new amino acids that weren't there previously. Now, is the RNA um, code, does it come out in five or? You know, so you're putting in a splice of three. What does it normally come out in? So the three refers to the number of amino acids. So each amino acid actually has, I think, four nucleotides. It's three nucleotides. Okay. I'm pretty sure, but I have to look that back up, how many nucleotides there are per specific amino acids. I would need to confirm that. Okay. Off the top okay. Of my head. But there's a certain number of nucleotides, and I think it's three that come together in a specific TGU, GGU, GTC, and that ends up creating the 22 amino acids that build... But how many amino acids? 22. That make the rest of us. Yeah, the, the entire human system... So you take this infinitely complex amount of DNA, you code it off, and ultimately you have these 22 amino acids, and those can be put together in all the different... Oh, yeah, 22? 22 Hebrew letters. Yeah, that make all the different configurations of us. Yes. I like that gimbal dollar hay vibes on it. That is kind of crazy, and I'm going to make sure I'm confirming because I don't spend a lot of time. Yeah, I just thought you might want to sit. See, that was awesome. Yeah, 22. <laughs> yeah. All right.